Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Grace to All with Paul Gray. I want to ask you to start out with today. Anybody ever have any trouble forgiving someone? I've asked this in a couple of uh, group settings lately, and it's like, well, (laughs) what do you think? Of course, yeah. Stuff happens, doesn't it? Then what? Well, I'm starting a series that we're going to do for the next several times together on forgiveness. And I want to give full credit up front to Mike Zinker, who's helped me a lot with this, and Dr. Paul Fitzgerald, my wife Kitsy, and others. I get to the point where I think, yeah, I've, I've forgiven everybody for everything in my life. And then I realized, uh, maybe not. <laughs> I realized recently that there was a whole group of people who had hurt me, and maybe more importantly, hurt other people, that I hadn't forgiven. I was angry with them. I was talking about them. And it was affecting me negatively in my daily life and my teaching and therefore others. And once I realized that, I went, oh, man. And then I started to work through a process of forgiveness, and I needed some help from some other people, which fortunately I got. Forgiveness is tremendously important because stuff happens, and then what? We've all been hurt by others. Now, the biblical term for that is someone sinned against us. And we say, well, we sinned against God and against mankind. And we say, well, it takes forgiveness to get right with God. We say sin requires forgiveness. Does it? Hmm. Let's think a little bit, all right? When you look at the original words that are translated into English into forgiveness, you start to see things a little differently. When you look at the original words of sin, and then you look at all the Bible verses, especially in their original language and in different translations, you start to see some things a little differently. Now, I've been working on this series for quite a while, and when I actually sat down to start putting it together so that I could use it with our group here in Lawrence, it just didn't come together. And I thought, man, I've listened to all these different teachings. I've done this research. I've read. I've worked through processes myself. You know, what? why isn't it coming together? And the Lord just said, it's because you're trying to put it together without me. You know, let's let's do it together. I want to help people with forgiveness. You do too. But I need to tell you something to begin with. And I said, all right, Lord, what is it? Forgiveness is not the starting point. It's like people ask Jesus questions all the time, and most of the time he would seemingly ignore their questions and ask them another question. So I said, okay, Lord, what is the starting point? And he reminded me of a quote by Albert Einstein that many of you are familiar with. This is a little bit of a paraphrase, but Einstein said, the biggest question of all time forever is, is the universe a friendly place? 
And he concluded that it is. And what Jesus showed me was that Einstein was actually asking, is God good? And in his own way, he found out, Jesus said, I am all good. And Jesus has been really impressing. When I say Jesus, I mean the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. They don't care which one we address. They have been showing me that before we can really address any questions about forgiveness, we have to absolutely be rock solid on how good God is. Because only then do we have a filter to run all questions about forgiveness through, and really all questions about anything else. Only through the filter of God being totally good can we evaluate anything we hear from anyone else about forgiveness and processing the hurts that happen to us or that we cause. We've talked about before the exposing the lie that the fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. We've learned that that's an incorrect translation from the Hebrew. What it actually meant was complete awe and adoration of God is the beginning of all knowledge. The next step in all knowledge is to embrace the revelation that God is perfect love. Don't let that just be a catchphrase or a Sunday school message. Really come to understand, and we're going to focus on that today and other days, that God is perfect love, love that never fails and has no limits or conditions. Jesus has been reminding me of what banks do when they train tellers that handle cash all the time. In order to be able to identify counterfeit, they don't show them different versions of counterfeit. They have them handle the real thing over and over and over and over again. And that provides the filter then to see when something is counterfeit. The real thing is God is perfect love. So when we get that and filter everything through that, then any time we see or hear something about God or the Lord or Yahweh or whatever word is used, just like bank tellers handling money, we look at the real thing. We look at perfect love. And then we can substitute the words perfect love for God or the Lord or Yahweh or Jehovah or whatever and see if it passes the test. If it doesn't, we reject what we hear. Now, I want to help you see the correlation between sin and forgiveness and God being perfect love. For example, if you've heard before, as I have, and I'm sorry that I taught this before, but I did. If you hear a phrase like, God won't forgive you if, or God won't forgive you unless, or God can't forgive you until, or God's forgiveness has limits, let's change the word God and say perfect love. Now, it's legitimate to do that, right? Because God is perfect love. We know that from Scripture, 1 John 4, verse 8 and verse 16. God is perfect love, and perfect love casts out all fear. So if we change the word God or Lord or Jehovah or Yahweh or whatever to perfect love, let's see how it plays out. If we say Perfect love won't forgive you if. Is there anything that could possibly go there? No. If it's perfect, it's perfect. (laughs) Perfect love won't forgive you unless you. Can that be true? Can you put anything in there? No. If it's perfect love, doesn't matter what you do. 
Perfect love can't forgive you until, you starting to see the picture here? Perfect love can't forgive you after a certain point in time. Like, for example, if you take your last breath here on earth, well, then perfect love can no longer forgive you. <laughs> you can see that that's just totally ridiculous. Well, we've all been taught. Almost all of us have been taught. No, no. You know, once you're done here on earth, it's too late. God can't forgive you then. God won't violate your free will. It's nonsense. It's just a lie straight from evil. God has limits, you know, on his love. Perfect love has limits. No, it doesn't. It's perfect. See how easy it is to spot counterfeit when we focus on the real thing? I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to take Scripture, and any time, especially in the Old Testament, which wasn't written to us to begin with, it was the Hebrew Scripture, and no one writing then, even though they were inspired by God and were well-meaning people, none of them knew the Father. Jesus came for the first time as the perfect representation of the Father. They all had indifferentiated ideas of God. They didn't know God. They Many times they attributed things that the evil one did to God. So anytime you see in the Old Testament that God did this or God said that, substitute it. Substitute it for Jesus. Substitute perfect love for it. And say, perfect love did this? No, it couldn't have been. So then we got to come to the conclusion, come to the understanding, have the filter that, okay, either these people were misinformed or it's a bad translation or something that was added by a scribe sometime, or there's something that we don't yet understand. But be rock solid on the fact that perfect love could not do something that perfect love couldn't do. See, whatever we focus on, that's where our energy goes. If we focus on something negative, like all the counterfeit that comes to us when we believe the lie that God isn't perfect, then our energy sapped and we're drained and we're more susceptible to the mental and emotional and physical and relational diseases that come from negativity. But when we focus on the positive, when we focus on the truth, the absolute truth that God is perfect, perfect love, that raises our vibrations, it elevates our mood and our health in every area. So I'm learning to focus on God's perfect love. Now today I'm not going to get into specifics, but I will say this and I want to hammer this home. I'll say that to grasp and experience forgiveness, then to be able to forgive, to stop being negatively affected by unforgiveness, and to do that, it's non-negotiable that we start with the revelation that God is perfect love with no conditions, no limits, no restrictions, no requirements. To grasp and experience forgiveness, then to be able to forgive and to stop being negatively affected by unforgiveness, it's absolutely non-negotiable that we start with the revelation that God is perfect love with no limits, no restrictions, no requirements, no qualifications. Until we get that, forgiveness will seem impossible. Once we get that, we realize all things are possible through Christ. All right. Now, that may sound easy enough. <laughs> well, it's not. Obviously, it's not. I posted a thing on Facebook the other day. I said, what are your questions about forgiveness? And the very first one I got and got more than once was, why is forgiveness so dang hard? Well, it's because we have an enemy, evil, whatever form you believe it takes. We have an enemy that does not want us to know that God is perfect love. 
I mean, that's what evil first tempted Adam and Eve with. They said, ah, yeah, 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 God, yeah, he's there, but he's holding out on you. He's not giving you everything you want. And if you want to be like him, you eat of this tree of uh, knowledge of fruit, of good and evil. No, no. God's not holding out on us. But the evil one wants us to believe that God is not perfect love. The enemy's clever. Comes to steal and kill and destroy our understanding that God is perfect love. And it sends thoughts into our minds. And we hear this from well-meaning but misinformed teachers and writers and Sunday school teachers and small group leaders. We hear things like, you have offended God, and if you don't get God to forgive you, you'll be punished forever. Well, let's use perfect love there instead of God. You have offended perfect love, and if you don't get perfect love to somehow forgive you, perfect love will punish you forever. Hmm. Can you offend perfect love? No. You starting to see how this works? Now, there are all kinds of definitions of forgiveness. And next time we get together, we're going to go through some different definitions of forgiveness that come from a lot of different people. And I'm not about to give you one definition and say this is it. Forgiveness is like grace. It's like love. It's like a multifaceted diamond. You look at it in different lighting settings, and you see all kinds of more wonderful things than you ever thought before. Let's look at the original language of the Bible to get started with this. The word in English that we translate as forgive, have you ever really thought about what forgiveness means? Have you ever done a word study on it? Even anything more than just looking it up in the dictionary? The original language of the Bible, both in Hebrew and in the Greek, there's one word in the Hebrew, two words in the Greek that we translate as forgiveness. Here's what they mean. To lift up, to take away, to release, to sweep away, to be kind, benevolent, to graciously restore one to another, to release from bondage, to release from imprisonment, like when Jesus said, I came to set people free, to pardon, to release from penalty. That's what perfect love does for us, actually did for us before creation. Jesus did not come to forgive us our sins. Jesus did not come to give us the potential to have our sins forgiven if we somehow appeased perfect love. Jesus came to show us we have always been forgiven. God sees us as who we really are as who he created us to be. That's what he wants us to do with other people. Then, of course, we commit acts of sin, which simply mean to miss the mark of God's perfectness, God's perfect love, God's perfect grace. And so when we do those, what God did in advance for us before the beginning and what Jesus demonstrated at the cross is God sees us here and he lifts up, he takes away, He releases, he sweeps away, releases from bondage and imprisonment all of those things that were manifestations of actions that we did. That's what perfect love did for us before creation. Now, in time and space, Jesus manifested that at the cross, and in time and space with us today, stuff happens doesn't it? We get hurt. People hurt us, or we perceive that they do, 
Or we hurt somebody and we can't forgive ourselves or we can't forgive the other person. Stuff happens. Then what? God's definition of forgiveness is to lift up off the person, to see the person as separate from the action, to see the person as who they are in Christ, fully beloved, fully included in Christ, without fault, just like we all are, and then lift up off of the person who hurt us any and all actions and words or looks or things or deeds or whatever that we think and feel that they now owe us for the hurt and the harm that they caused us. Lift up, take away, sweep away, release them from any debt that we've assigned to them, release them from any penalty and imprisonment and punishment that we think they deserve, not hold anything against them, to reconcile them to us. It involves seeing, as perfect love does, that there's a person there, a real person in Christ, a child of God in Christ, who God loves just as much as he loves Jesus and just as much as he loves you and me. And this is a person who has done something inconsistent with who they really are, inconsistent with their true identity, just like we do. Yes, they hurt us, but not the real them. The real them didn't hurt us. Then we let perfect love, Christ in us, lift up and take away and sweep away and release them from any debt that we've assigned to them, release them from any penalty, any imprisonment, any punishment that we think they deserve, not hold anything against them, reconcile them to us. If you try to do that in your own ability, you'll absolutely fail. You cannot do it. I cannot do it. Only perfect love can do it. But perfect love lives in us, and perfect love wants to live as us and through us. Perfect love says that you are forgiven, you and everyone else. Perfect love says you are forgiven past, present, and future you have been and you always are forgiven. Perfect love established that in advance for you and everyone. Let's look at what perfect love says about forgiveness. Just a little bit here. In a couple of weeks, we're going to go into a lot more scriptures. Ephesians 1. May God himself, the heavenly father of our Lord Jesus Christ, release grace over you and impart total well-being into your lives. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from perfect love from our wonderful Heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus, all because he sees us wrapped into Christ. This is why we celebrate him with all our hearts, and he chose us to be his very own, joining us to himself even before he laid the foundation of the universe. You got to get this, folks. This is so huge. God chose you and me without our vote, without our asking for it, without our believing anything. Before the foundation of the universe, he chose us to be his very own, joining us to himself, even before he laid the foundation of the universe. Because of his great love, perfect love ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. It was always his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus, the anointed one, so that his tremendous perfect love that cascades over us would glorify his grace. The same perfect love he has for Jesus, he has for us. I'm not making this up. This is scripture. The same perfect love he has for Jesus, God has for us. And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. 
Now, get this. All of that's absolutely staggering. Since we are now joined to Christ, and we were before the beginning of time, we have been given the treasures of redemption by his blood. Listen to this now. Here's what we were given before creation. The total cancellation of our sins. Perfect love gave us the total cancellation of our sins before creation because of the cascading riches of his grace. Did you know that? Apostle Paul did. And he wrote that and things like that over and over again. Colossians 1, verses 12 to 14. Paul says, your hearts can soar with joyful gratitude when you think of how God, perfect love, made you worthy to receive the glorious inheritance freely given to us by living in the light. He has rescued us completely, not partially, not potentially, not a little bit sometimes now and then. He has rescued us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom realm of his beloved son. Now get this. For in the son, all our sins are canceled. Is that hard to understand? Is that meaning veiled? In Christ, where we were all placed before the foundation of the world, all our sins are canceled. And we have the release of redemption through his very blood. A couple of more scriptures will be done for today. Second Corinthians five seventeen to 21. Therefore, since anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and new is here. All this is from God, perfect love, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was, God the Father, perfect love, was reconciling the entire cosmos to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. God the Father was in Jesus at the cross doing this, doing in time and space what he had chosen and decided to do before the beginning of time. Reconciled the entire cosmos to him, not counting anyone's sins against us. That's true for here and now, and it's true in the next life. When we get to the next life, when we see God face to face, there's not going to be any sins for him to hold against us because he's not counted our sins against us. <laughs> he's committed to us the message of reconciliation, which is what I'm doing right now. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God, perfect love, were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That means you're a man. Now man up, be a man, or you're a woman, woman up, whatever, you know, implore you, understand this, get this. Remember, God made Jesus who had no sin to take all of our sin away so that we might become the righteousness of God. Finally, John 8, 32 and 36. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus is the truth. He says, therefore, if Jesus makes you free from sin, you are free indeed. And he made us free from sin before the beginning of time and at the cross. God wants us to know sin is not an issue with him, and it actually never has been. 
He knew it would be in our minds, so he took care of it before the beginning of time, and then he showed us at the cross. All right. In addition to our bottom line filter being God is perfect love, in the coming weeks, we're going to discuss what perfect love means regarding the words forgive, sin, repent, some other things that many of us have never even questioned or thought about or or couldn't give an answer to if, if you put a gun to our head. And we'll be able then to easily contrast when we see counterfeit ideas about sin, forgiveness, and repenting. Then once we are rock solid on God's forgiveness of us and all people, then we'll see how to access perfect love's power in us to forgive ourselves and forgive others. I found it doesn't do any good at all to say, you ought to forgive them. Just forgive them. You ought to forgive them. (laughs) We've got to be rock solid on God being perfect love, on God's forgiveness of us and all people, and that Christ is in us and that his power flows through us. And then we access, we partner with him, we let Christ in us forgive ourselves and forgive others as us. Forgiveness can seem to be terribly hard, can seem to be impossible, which it is, until we know and believe the Trinity's perfect love and inclusion of us and everybody. Then we start to learn what forgiveness, repentance, sin really is. Then we have the power of God, the dynamite power of God that spoke everything into existence, the power of God that raised Jesus and us from the dead, the power of God that sustains everything, the power of perfect love, which is perfect love. God's power is perfect love. Then we learn how to participate with that power in forgiving ourselves and others. Then it's a win-win-win situation for everybody. Again, thanks to Mike Zinker, Dr. Paul Fitzgerald, my wife Kitsy for helping me with this. Hope it's been beneficial to you, and I hope you'll continue to join me the next few weeks as we delve deeper into this. Thanks, everybody. Paul Gray saying, see you next time. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.